Welcome to the Rational Standard Podcast. We are a classical liberal website run by volunteers discussing free and rational ideas. If you would like to support us, please make sure to visit us at rationalstandard.com or by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, listeners and viewers. Welcome back to another edition of the Rational Standard podcast, trying out the uh, Zoom format this week, uh, trying out something different. Thank you very much for joining us on this latest edition. You are joined by myself, Chris Hutton, uh, Jonathan Wright, Nick on my on my left, and we've got Jacques Juncker below the both of us. Luckily, we're not all in the same room, otherwise we'd be in trouble. Um, Thank you guys for, for joining me on this uh, podcast, the, the two of you. Um, I appreciate you taking some time on your Saturdays when I'm sure you'd be enjoying the freedom of uh, level four lockdown uh, now that we can enjoy the newfound freedoms of the new South Africa under level four. Um, I was just going to say, it. Mm-hmm. not like we had anything better to do, <laughs> except mow lawns. Yeah. Well, sorry, Jacques, we won't hold you for, for that long. Nature is creeping up on you, so you need to get to your lawn. Um, I realize this yes. happens in, in, the, in the parts of South Africa, not in the city. So we'll let you get back to it soon enough. Uh, Jonathan, I'll kick off with you. Um, what's happening with you lately? Um, doing okay in lockdown life? Uh, are you any specific thoughts or, or uh, things that jump out at you about the lockdown? Anything you'd like to highlight? Well, today was the first, the first event and the noteworthy event of my lockdown, I left my house. Hey, I have not left my house in over five weeks now. And it's not because I've taken the lockdown seriously. So I just have no reason to leave. So, mm-hmm. But you know, when the lockdown started, I was not against it in concept. I was very, I was vociferously concerned about the way it was being, they were going about it. And gradually I, I was a minority in, in this. Everyone else, you're overreacting, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're five weeks later and I'm, I can confidently say half of the people around me have come over to my side of things. So, Wait, so uh, you're saying one can hold a view that the, you can be concerned about the lockdown, about the loss of uh, economic activity and the loss of life? Are you saying one can hold that position? <laughs> uh, I, would, I, would, I would never say, I would never hold such a pragmatic position when you panic so much. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that, that was that was gen that was generally the case. It was like okay, there are two concerns here. Most of my thinking was informed by trends that were coming out of Europe. Very early, we knew that it was mainly old people who were affected by it, and people with underlying conditions. But just generally, I felt in my my head, why are we making laws about things we don't understand? Mm. I mean, sure, you can be cautious about it, but why? Are you going so full tilt when the consequences of being wrong are so drastic? And well, it would have been much more prudent just to, I guess, use that more to me. It seemed like common sense lawmaking because mm-hmm. if you do something wrong, then it's not necessarily too difficult to undo what you've broken. But right. now we're in a <laughs> bit of a predicament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've uh, we've sort of ground the. I mean, not that the economy was doing particularly well before the lockdown. Let's be honest; it's not like yeah. uh, anyone should presume that uh, South Africa's economic decline is due to the coronavirus. Um, I'm hoping that people are aware our economic growth was maybe 
what, one and a half percent before COVID-19. I don't know, Jacques, uh, what, uh, from an economist perspective, can you, uh, can you give us your, your take there? I think you're on mute there. Yeah, his mic is off. Me, I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> um, there's no, there's no sugarcoating good bullshit. Um, we're pretty screwed in terms of growth, and the economy is contracting by billions of rands per day. Um, and at the end of the day, Cyril was testing people's patience. I mean, at the start, people were quite accepting and willing to entertain the thought of a lockdown. But now, five weeks, four weeks later. People have started running through their savings. A lot of people don't have savings. Rights of food are starting to break out. Um, and we are just seeing the economic consequences of this. People losing their businesses that they worked hard for, saved up, and took their risks. And yeah, government's just not giving a damn at the moment about that. Um, a lot of people said, okay, yeah, so government, government they have plans to step in, stop worrying about the economy. And, <laughs> Again, <laughs> Come and just don't worry. Um, just don't worry. <laughs> Money machine goes brrr. <laughs> yes, exactly. And we told them stop being so stupid. They didn't want to listen. And now look where we are. We literally have people starting to death. Um, with the virus, that the, of which the mortality rate is grossly overestimated. Mm. And that does not mean you ignore the virus. That does not mean you should take precautions. That does not mean you should go out unnecessarily. But trying to ban people from earning a living as an alternative to a, to contracting a virus, which, as Jonathan correctly pointed out, we don't really understand. I think that's just insane, quite dumb. So, do either of you uh, do you want to weigh in on one of the the views I've heard that you know the lockdown is a convenient excuse for the the sort of propagation and further entrenchment of the national democratic revolution? Oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. I think it's a convenient tool for them. Uh, uh, how? Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I think yes, we can say that quite confidently. Yeah. They can. It doesn't matter how incompetently they're going about it. The fact mm. remains that, well, we know what government's long-term plan is and what it has been, and this is a perfect opportunity for them to to ratchet up and dive into places that they don't need to be. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, if you just look at the ANC's track record, for people out there to still give government the benefit of the doubt, the ANC the benefit benefit of the doubt, I mean, you have to be absolutely fucking retarded. To be <laughs> There's no getting around this. You are literally stupid. Like, you are missing a prefrontal cortex. You cannot think. Um, or you've got Stockholm Syndrome. It's either of the two or a combination of them. Because for you to still, we've seen now that the courts have ruled that they're allowed to use BEE, the tourism minister, and that just um, strengthens government resolve to keep on discriminating and contravene the rule of law. And we've seen Bekisele contravene the rule of law. We've seen the security forces contravene the rule of law. So Ramaphosa had the power to stop all of this. He didn't. Yet people are still praising him. People are still giving him the benefit of the doubt. I really think you are just plain stupid. Yeah, people are talking about uh, ministers contradicting him in their briefings that follow his. And I, you know, I find that hard to believe. Surely he, I mean, we keep hearing about the command council and all this stuff. I'm very sure that he's on board with what his ministers say in their respective conferences and that sort of thing. It's not like uh, they completely blindsided him. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, all of a sudden, people are just like, oh, let's forget about EWC, let's forget about uh, blah, blah, blah. St. Cyril has come to save the day, yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, so, no, it's it's quite depressing. You know, it's, it's, it, it has basically stopped very infuriating because I don't think some people can really still be saved. And then there are people saying when we point out all these things, oh, stop engaging in hyperbole. It's not mm. hyperbole, it's not that actually happening. People are being reported for jogging. People are being shot. Jeez, man, what the hell? Like, Literally. snitch culture is real. What What the heck is going on? I don't get it. Like, it just took one, no, what's that, that joker quote? One little push. And I mean, I know in his context, it was chaos and anarchy, but in our context, it's just the one little push and talk of a virus and people start uh, snitching on each other. Mm. And the... The worst thing is the amount of gaslighting where people who oppose the lockdown, oppose fascism, oppose communism, <clears throat> accused of, oh, so you support the old rights. Oh, so you want people to die, etc., etc. It's all this gaslighting coming through people who have legitimate qualms for civil liberties and people can't counter their arguments because they subconsciously know that these threats are real, but they and but they still don't they just do not want to acknowledge that and the cognitive dissonance is for them on their part is really 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 terrible and then they just start engaging in gaslighting and try you and try to um dupe you into doubting your own sanity and oh shit am i really a fascist for opposing the lockdown am i really a piece of shit no you are not you're just a sane human being who don't who does not want people to starve to death it's as simple as that and the other big thing that has been quite disappointing in all of this is how obtuse some people can be. Uh, I mean, I think it was about three weeks ago, I was chatting to some friends on a group chat. I was like, guys, look, this is my, these are my concerns, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, yeah, we can see that. We know the economy is going to tank and things are going to get bad. But don't worry. This, this is something that's important we take these restrictions because even though people might be getting hungry now, it's no good that all the farm workers die of COVID-19 and then we starve anyway. And my first thought was like, wait, what? Where did you come with aid? It was literally thumb sucked. Uh, and the second one was government will work together with agriculture to make sure everybody's fed. At mm. that point, I, I, I nearly drove my head through the table. And That's the why we need EWC, so the government can control, it, can control it in a more streamlined way. I mean, come on guys. And, and at, I mean, that it, point, it, at that point, I, was, I just knew it's like, okay, there is no further reasoning to be had here. Mm. And well, sure enough, two weeks later, we started having our first little food riots and everything. So it disappoints me in a way that when this all started, I made a number of predictions and I gave reasons why they were going to happen. It's no good saying this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but not why. Right. And everything that that I forecast that is the political science term we are taught to use happened and it happened for the reasons that it did and that that makes me very reluctant to want to make more predictions because none of them are very good oh well just because i mean isn't that part of what we try and do is tell um what the facts based story i mean people don't like the facts but the facts don't care about your feelings <laughs> Um, unfortunately, despite all of that, I still have get the, the stop panicking, the, the, the thing, and Cyril has done a good job. And it's like, okay, by the way, you are 
8,000 kilometers away in Europe, when you say this, <laughs> when we made these decisions, we copy pasted other, we copy pasted European countries yes. and we added our own stupid regulations that nobody mm. else in the world has. Mm. And there's a big distinction. Europe can afford to make mistakes. Okay? Not really, but they've got more room to, to right. they've got more wiggle room. We don't. Mm -hmm. We make a mistake. We've got a new problem. No, well, we talk a lot about uh, uh, how, you know, importing ideas from other countries into Africa. I feel like this hard lockdown has taken no recognition of the nuances in South African society. It's expecting people in yeah. the suburbs with Wi-Fi and widescreen TVs that they'll be as fine as people in a tiny shack in the township that has people have to share one little room with 10 other people. I mean, and then of course, when you get people acting out and you get riots and things, you get people who are desperate for food and that kind of thing. Then of course you get people on their keyboards and everything complaining about, Oh, how could this happen? This breakdown in social order, what is going on and on and on and on. Yesterday when we, mm. when we, when we, when everyone went jogging again, <laughs> were like no social distancing. I was like, guys, the townships have been like this for five weeks. Why are you so concerned suddenly? And we, we kept, we, we locked down. We keep getting told we locked down to protect the townships and blah, blah, blah. We've had confirmed cases in the townships. And this is supposedly a super contagious virus, which we, one of the things we do know is that it is. Mm. Then why, where is the tsunami of deaths? Mm. If, if so many people, especially in the townships, are all infected and so immune, um, vulnerable to this. And, uh, well, that's, I think, and also the, the hard lockdown presumes that lots of people in the townships won't take the necessary precautions. It's a, it's a very infantilizing view of people's agency. It just assumes that oh, if they're not forced to act in a certain way by government, they're going to, I don't know, do the mm -hmm. most stupid thing possible. And of course, people are going to make stupid decisions, but to make that sort of blanket assumption about 60 million people in a country to me is, <laughs> is highly concerning. But, you know, we see the, the uh, controlling nature of the state playing itself out in this, uh, this pandemic. Jacques, um, I wanted to mention that uh, the briefing from Nkosuzana uh, Glamini-Zuma, where she went back on what Ramaphosa said about cigarettes, uh, the selling of cigarettes, and how that seems to have triggered something in many people at least online of course it's just a sample size but do you think it's any it's sort of a hopeful indication maybe the the it's the final straw or do you think it's just going to be a case of ugh, people will go back to again making do without their cigarettes uh, I, I think it gives us hope i mean it's ironic that you know <clears throat> people didn't care about their freedoms being taken away until cyril took their cancer sticks away I mean, <laughs> quite hilarious um People want but the freedom yeah, to give themselves yeah. cancer, okay? Can't take that away. No, they can give themselves cancer. I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, it's natural selection. Um, but at the end of the day, what people failed to realize is, and this is something that really infuriates me, is before the lockdown, they didn't really, all these middle-class suburbanites didn't give a fuck about the poor who are disproportionately black. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, a lot of them who are opposed to the lockdown, which is great, they're opposed to it, are using the plight of poor black people as a trump card sure. to say, no, what about them in order in order to protect their own liberties? Like, I don't have a problem. You're against the lockdown, fine. But where were you with respect to the issue of civil liberties before the lockdown? Where were you with respect to the plight of the poor before the lockdown? All of a mm. sudden, now 
so I didn't care about that. I mean, I've written and I've spoken extensively on the plights of poor people and government intervention, regulation, etc., arming them. I mean, all three of us, have, all of us here have done that and we continue to do so into the lockdown. But all of a sudden in the lockdown, you, you know, you had these, these sort of, these Andrews and these Karens, some <laughs> who were opposed to the lockdown, but then all of a sudden they started caring about, you know, their, their mm. domestic worker or their gardener, whereas before that they paid them peanuts and they just simply didn't give it. You know? mm. If that's not, if, they, if you don't fit this description, then great. But I mean, like, even though, even people who are opposed to the lockdown, who sort of really infuriate me in the way that they are opposed to it, and they're just they're showing their, their own hypocrisy. With yeah, some opportunism. It's the paternalism yeah, once, that really gets to me. Mm. Yeah, the, and the paternalism that really... What? The what? Go, Jonathan. Oh, so I said so patronizing as well. Mm. And it, 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 it's, that's the most infuriating thing for me. Just, <laughs> there's nothing yeah. needs to be said about that. No. Yeah, yeah. Now look, um, you can stand up for people, and I think that's patronizing. But some people do it in a way that is patronizing. Mm-hmm. You know, the woke allies, basically, who stand up in a way that it can be quite patronizing and condescending. You know, just because you're poor doesn't mean you're stupid and you don't know what you're doing. One of the the early uh, reasons that was floated in support of the cigarette ban was that. If you smoke, you're more susceptible to pneumonia and the negative effects of it. And okay, it didn't really click with me back then already, but my, my uh, former constitutional law professor, Stellenbosch, was on uh, Cape Talk, 702 for you guys up there. And she's like... Sorry, I don't yeah, know what that yeah. is. I don't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> there's the, there's the, reasonable, the reasonableness and the rationality test in determining whether it is whether it is sufficient or reasonable to limit a certain right. Mm. And she said, and we've had, we've heard these reasons about uh, cigarettes and the effect on your lungs and stuff. But if you are smoking now, does that not mean you smoked before, which means that your lungs are already, yeah, the bad compromised. (laughs) It's already compromised. (laughs) So what, what reason is that? And since, uh, and I still hear it, and it's, it's slightly, again, infuriating because... Uh... Yeah, you get all these sorts of uh, mental gymnastics and justifications going around. Um, I saw, saw Pierre de Vos wrote a piece about, after Nkosa Zanad Lamini Zuma's uh, her briefing, he also wrote a piece about passing constitutional muster and all of that. And normally I would consider him a bit more on the side of regulations, that kind of thing, I guess, leaning towards sort of government controls and, and that sort of thing but even he is now getting more and more concerned which i suppose is a good thing that there are more voices opposed to this kind of thing jonathan you're in cape town right um are you yes. so have you uh, have you found things a bit better in the best run province in the country um well i get i get a fair bit of news from my father who because of his essential service uh, status he mm-hmm. travels drives around quite a bit and so like on, on the first day, you, you mentioned like the townships, like, no, they, they weren't complying. So back then already, I mean, we kind of knew just from, from logic that many of them cannot comply with these things, like sure. six people in a shack style uh, 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 reasons. 
And he he mentions that I mean, in all his travels, like the stores, they they can be at, at times they were fairly crazy, and other times they're quiet. But it's pretty, I guess, normal just on a reduced scale. Less traffic mm -hmm. generally. There's no unrest noticed as of yet. I can't exactly see uh, anything that the city of Cape Town has done. Uh, it, as much as I do have some outside eyes through my parents <laughs> in this regard, I'm still pretty blind. No, fair enough. I was just wondering. And I'm guessing you were one of the the millions who hit C point yesterday morning um, and caused so much uh, outrage. No, I live in Somerset West. Um, <laughs> you see, for, for us up here, or for the Valleys, I mean, everything in Cape Town, I assume, is within a five-kilometer radius of each other. So, Well, we do have Strand Beach, and that was that was basically our sea point. Photos uh, okay. on social media showed exactly the same same thing there. Nobody's on the beach. Okay, not nobody. Some people were on the beach. Sure. But the sidewalks are just packed with people, mm -hmm. and which comes to this whole three-hour curfew thing in the mornings when you can go walk your dog for a run or whatever it is. Jacques, I'm sure you've gone out in, in the hours of six, between six and nine when the virus isn't, uh, isn't active. <laughs> no, I still sleep there. I know you need to get some exercise. So I was wondering if you were indulging in some cardio now. No, no, I just do body weight exercises at home. No. Okay, you're not that desperate yet. Yeah. We we went to we went to the shops earlier and it was quite the time was actually extremely busy, especially mm. at the back. Um but everybody's wearing their face masks, etc. But the one thing that I think the one good thing that came out of this crisis is the the meme culture. <laughs> Africa is just absolutely gorgeous. I just actually quickly wanna share a video here with the viewers that is absolutely fucking fantastic. Is, is this PG rated or not? Just so I can put the trigger warning yeah. up. <laughs> no, it's about it's about I th I think it's in Kosasana Lamini Zuma speaking about smoking weed. I think it's uh, I don't actually know this. Is, is this the video which he reminds us that Friday comes after Thursday? <laughs> no, no, that's not the one. This is just this is the one with a bit of music on it. Just no, just it it it, it was just entertaining. Wait, let me share it. Can you guys see it? I we I can see it. Yes. Unfortunately, I can't yeah, hear the sound. Yeah, I, I I heard this earlier today, so I, I know what's going on here. <laughs> uh, is there no sound? Yeah, on no sound. No. Uh, this is this is Zoom buggering us again. Okay. <laughs> no, it's You're getting too fancy here, Jacques. We we're not yeah, as yeah. as tech uh, as tech fundies as we would like to give off. No, I'll just cut out that part of the podcast then. <laughs> oh, you offered to edit the video. Okay. No. <laughs> no, 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 I need to go and mow the lawn in 20 minutes. Yes, we're well aware of your uh, your lawn mowing uh, desires. Mm. When I went to the mall today uh, to buy some medication at Dischem, I saw the queue and I was like, no, I'm going to go to Clicks, which is on the other side of the mall. So mm. I parked at the wrong entrance and I thought, could I drive? Like, no, I'm not going to drive there. I'm going to walk. Hey, I don't rebel. Have, I don't have the opportunity to walk very often. So I walked across the mall. Woohoo! <laughs> and then I stood in queue for an hour. I was in a crowded mall, but then when I go into the store, it's only like ten people at a time. Mm -hmm. 
And that I lost, I, I couldn't fathom. I'm like, where, where's the, where's the, where's the brainiac idea in this? Like if, if the virus is spreading, it's out here. We all have it now. You're putting 10 people in your store is not going to help. I would love it if mall uh, owners, if the, the landlords started putting little crosses in the malls in the common areas where people had to stand at all times and they couldn't <laughs> get too close to each other. That would be quite a good the solution. The have tape on the ground to say where yes. you must stand if there's a queue um, mm-hmm. in, in various places where there's waiting rooms. They put tape across every second chair so that there's a space between you and the next person and things like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that to any of the benches though. And people were sitting next to each other. So clearly, um, we need more micromanaging and policing there. I agree. I think uh, the, they should spend a lot more taxpayer money on that sort of thing for the police to do. And especially when the police sees the one, when they see one pe- person walking their dog, they should, uh, they should mobilize the armed forces and come down on them hard. Mm. Uh, Jacques, what do you... Uh, I know Jonathan mentioned earlier the predictions and that dangerous game, but are you going to give us any uh, any far out there predictions for the next few weeks? Uh, I'm not sure when we'll next do an RS podcast, but maybe do you foresee anything radical happening in the next few weeks or do you just see placid compliance for the next uh, year at least? No, I don't think I see compliance. I think people are getting fed up being told to stay locked down like animals. Uh, no, I don't see compliance. I mean, you can't, you already have people engaging in riots because they're hungry. I mean, I've seen people posting about getting donations um, for food, etc. So now I don't really think we can afford to continue with the lockdown further. We need to adapt and learn how to live with the virus. I mean, the lockdown was never to prevent the spread and stop it completely was to... Um, Put off the inevitable exponential threat, you know, flatten the curve, you know. Um, I mean, like, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet by Mbuisenian Blasi, where he said, yeah, we haven't flattened the curve because there are still increases in the virus. Like, flattening the curve doesn't mean decreasing the spread, the daily spread. It means slowing it down, but now he's, uh, he, does, he clearly has no grasp of basic statistics with his respect. And I've seen a lot of people also saying, oh, so the DA Western Cape has the most cases. Yes, because they test more per capita and on an absolute basis than the other provinces. This is a virus that's very easily spread. If you're going to test more, you're going to find more cases. That's the thing. That's what people need to remember. Um, yeah, so my prediction is this virus is obviously going to be with us. Um, we need to learn to live with it. People need to take precautions. Um, the government has to do something about the ailing healthcare sector. I mean, they need to Direct private uh, um, um, temporary hospitals. We know what, so what their solution is for fixing the healthcare sector. Um, dare we mention it? Yeah, let's let's dare not. Maybe it brings bad juju. Mm. Um, I was gonna. What was I gonna? I was gonna mention um, how we. Uh, if anyone talks about flattening the curve, just share a picture of South Africa's GDP growth for the last few <laughs> years, and I'm sure that's a much more accurate presentation representation yeah. of wait, wait. The curve. But I'm not a statistician, so what do I know? I have the stats here with me, just you wait. Observe how the rate of infection is going through the floor in South Africa. Oh, no, wait, that's just economic growth. Never mind. (laughs) This has been part of the other little issue. You mentioned the rate of testing. People are like, yeah, the US is, Trump is incompetent, buffoon, whatever. And look how many people are dying there. It's like, yes, but 
350 million people live there. There's more sure. of them. And they're also testing at a very, a very, very speedy rate at the moment. I think last I heard a little press conference with, uh, it was not given by Trump, it was given by one of his medical no, by Fauci. Oh, no, it wasn't Fauci. Okay. Uh, anyway, and, and in, it was in response to a Yahoo news question. Okay. And he, he was being very condescending and berating about it, about how, how slowly the U.S. is testing and blah, 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 blah. And in actual fact, uh, I, mean, I think Korea's, South Korea's rate of testing per 100,000 was 11 at its peak. Uh, I'm not sure if that's per, t- per day or what, what it was, but that, that was the rate they were going at, whereas the U.S. is now apparently 17. Jeez. And there, there's overall this, this huge fascination with just these raw numbers and no acknowledgement of, the, of what's behind them. Mm-hmm. Like how, what, what are the characteristics of the victims? How many people are there that can potentially get infected? What's the population density of things like that. And a lot of the panics, he's like, oh my goodness, so many people are dying in this little place where people live on top of each other and therefore we have to panic and it's like, no, no, calm down. Well, you're again arguing for a richer perspective on things and uh, I'm afraid lots of people just want those quick sound bites. They, uh, they don't really seem to make time for deeper back and forth and an actual analysis of the numbers that would require mm-hmm. some mental work, I think. I mean, do we, do we remember swine flu? I mean, we remember <laughs> some of the restrictions. It wasn't nearly as, as uh, hysterical as this. No. Uh, like I wasn't old enough to remember SARS. Uh, I, well, South African Revenue Service, yes. I do remember <laughs> that there. Uh, That's the real virus. The disease, okay, there no, we they're, go. Both, they're both diseases. Uh, the, the one that came from China, apparently, as well. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it came. But, the one that was manufactured in the Chinese laboratory, right? That one. Yeah, you know, the one that's manufactured and deliberately spread as biological warfare. That's yeah, the 5G, 5G coronavirus. Oh, thank goodness 5G isn't that widespread in South Africa yet. Otherwise, we'd really oh, be in yeah. trouble. Yeah, I, I, should have known, I should have known something was up when, when Huawei, like two, three years ago, was experimenting with 5G. <laughs> they were one of the first people to do it. Like, <laughs> Like a warning bell should have gone off. Now it makes sense. Yeah. So actually, we should give Trump a lot more credit for his ban on Huawei devices. He knew what they have been <laughs> planning all along. Uh, I just uh, quickly have a have a graph to share. Yeah? Um, so okay, the screen. Sound. No. Does the graph have sound, John? <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can you see the graph? Yes, we can. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so basically. This is how flattening a curve looks. This is our GDP growth over the last 30 years, quarterly. Like. So, oh, it was worse under the Nats. I mean, the Nats, and look what they did from Wait, there. you're telling the, me that like, a, what, almost, what, 80 years, however long it was, of socialist, uh, nationalist rule was, wasn't good for economic growth, the job? Yeah, look, the economy grew. The economy grew. It was just, they didn't really, they didn't really grow uh, that much um, but this is the quarter-on-quarter growth and this is not the year-on-year growth rate the quarter-on-quarter growth rate but yeah this is just a quick look of how actually flattening a curve looks like <laughs> well, we can't deny socialist policies work they seem to be quite effective at uh, mm. at equalizing all of us 
Yeah, look, the anti-socialist policies are going to work and flatten this guy because they're going to starve people to death and then the virus can't spread anymore. So. No, 4D chess, yeah. guys. But, mm. but Jacques, Marxist economic policies work. I'm sure you just have that graph upside down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. Your capitalist misinformation. <laughs> yep. Okay, before Jacques uh, shares another talking graph with us, uh, I think we'll, we'll wrap up on, on that note. Guys, any parting thoughts? Um, I will plug all the social media and all the resources now, but uh, Jonathan, any last thoughts from you? I sincerely hope that, uh, that even if it is at the 59th second of the 59th minute of the 11th hour that some sense prevails, uh, listen to Pete LaRue on the morning shot today. Mm. And I'm not exactly filled with hope, but the, the fact that there are uh, civil entities out there that are trying and having some success, because I didn't even, I didn't know this, but uh, Pete shared and said that the original drafts at the beginning of the lockdown included no walking allowed. I don't know if this means you have to drive everywhere, but it's like, that's ludicrous. Oh. Like, oh, suddenly all 55 million South Africans have a car. Yes. Um, but the people are waking up somewhat, even if it is just because their cigarettes are gone. Um, but uh, yeah, civil society is, needs to probably wake up a bit more, a bit faster. Yeah, that's I think what, all we can hope for. Jacques, and for you? before we uh, say goodbye and we see you again in a few weeks' time? Uh, no, no, nothing really from me. It's just people need to start waking up to watch actually happening. It's not just hyperbole. It's not just this or that. Shit's really going down at the moment. And people need to start waking up and, re- and seeing it for what it is and just realize government control is not the answer. I mean, we've seen this shift to sort of like this... Uh, Overton window shift from the start of the lockdown until now more and more people are getting pissed off and fed up with it and hopefully that continues. Yeah, that's I think what we can hope for and to that end of people waking up and getting a different perspective and getting uh, more of the facts behind what's going on. Please uh, continue reading all of the articles we're putting out on www.rationalstandard.com. Uh, please follow the Rational Standard on Facebook and also on Twitter. Uh, please, can sharing, please continue sharing all of the articles. Please like this uh, podcast. Please share it with your, your social media networks as well. Thank you for your time this, uh, on today, the 2nd of May, this Saturday. Thank you for spending some time with us. We appreciate the support. And hopefully we'll chat to all of you again soon. But for now, uh, stay safe. Um, stay, uh, stay as active as you can, as productive as you can. And we'll chat to you again soon. Cheers.